You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Alan Seals. And I'm Liz Estin. And welcome to Carried Away, a podcast where we explore the films and television shows starring the one and only James Eugene Carey. And we're finally there, guys. We're, we're finally into the big one, the one that's going to take up your, your podcatchers for a few weeks. Uh, maybe not every week, but for a while. We can say that this is the first step towards him getting that career this is where he walks into the water and he doesn't quite catch a wave yet um this is <laughs> in living color what? the first season Only season one. Walk, Only season one. Walks into the water and doesn't catch a wave. I think he caught plenty of waves. I I don't think he caught the wave yet. He's still just kind of bouncing on like the little baby waves. He's not riding it yet. He's not he's not on that tidal wave of cable guy. Well, that's true. I mean, okay, okay, tidal wave wave of of Jim Carrey career, yes. But I think like this is a legitimate. It's a bump. It's a bump. Uh, it is a legitimate step up from his previous project, which was. Pink Cadillac. It was a legitimate step up from his previous project, Pink Cadillac. Doing roughly the same um, same bit, though. What? How? Okay, okay. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess in the background. Kind of, of in Cadillac, the background and hoping you forget he's there. But no, he's got actual, he's like leading some sketches. It's not like he is an extra in every sketch. He's, I, I okay. There's a very famous quote by Michel Gondry. Um, who would go on to direct Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which Jim Carrey plays a very depressive character in that. And he goes to Jim, and he's like, why'd you pick me for this? He's like, because I saw in living color you in the background. You look so sad. And I, I knew there was sadness in you. I knew there was sadness in you, and therefore I will put you in my movie. I knew if you can harness that depression, you, we will make great movie. Movie film. What is he French um, or, or? He is very French. French. Italian. What a, what accent was that? Uh, for um, Jess, it's anything. It was like yeah, it was kind of like yeah. Scottalian. Any European language mixes together eventually. If I keep on talking. And Living Color uh, was released on April fifteenth, nineteen ninety, and ran um, from the first season ran until September 9th, nineteen ninety. Created and showrun by Keenan Ivory Rain, Wayne, starring Jim Carrey, Tommy Davidson, David Al Green. David Allen Greer, Greer. Takia Crystal Kamaya, uh, Keenan Ivory Rains, Kim Waynes, Kelly Cofield, Damon Waynes, and Kim Coles. Um, and some of the Fly Girls are Rosie Perez, Deidre Lang, Carrie French, Carrie Ann Inaba, Lisa Marita, uh, Carrie Ann Anaba. 
Anaba, thank you. Carrie Ann Anaba, Lisa Marie Todd, Michelle Whitney Morrison, and coming in future seasons, the one and only J-Lo. And every episode, I believe, in this first season was directed by Paul Miller. Um, and this is a fascinating, fascinating story of how this show came to be. Do you know the story of why In Living Color exists? Tell me more, young one. So, basically, it started under the, the title Black Laughing. <laughs> like, they really just wanted to have a version of Laughing with a black mindset in mind. Um, the Waynes brothers were involved, and they were hired to make a one-hour pilot uh, for Fox. And in that, they just, of course, they had auditions. None of the Waynes brothers were immediately hired. They had to audition. And then they knew they wanted at least only two white people, um, a girl and a boy. Um, they weren't sure who they wanted. And many people auditioned for a Jim Carrey spot. And I am going to center this a bit around Jim Carrey. We are a Jim Carrey podcast. So apologies if I don't go too deep into that. Um, other folks that auditioned for that spot included David Spade and Adam Sandler. Ooh. Would have been. I don't think they would have been bad, but it would have been different. Now, Damon Waynes worked with Jim Carrey in Earth Girls Are Easy, which we covered a few weeks back. Truth. And Keenan Ivory Waynes went and saw him in stand-up, and his words were, I can't believe this man is still in stand-up. Like, why has he not made it? Jim Carrey was a guy who had had three careers before I ever showcased him. And uh, he had a career as an impressionist in Vegas. And he was doing quite well, but he hated it, and he quit, and he went back to doing stand-up. And I knew how talented this guy was, but he kept getting these roles that didn't showcase him. He wasn't able to do what he does, and this was the perfect opportunity. And Damon was the one who brought him to my attention. You know, when I was casting, he was like, what about Jim? I was like, oh... Yeah, yeah, you know. I was like, he's he's a little crazy. They was like, yeah, but that's good. <laughs> they brought him along as well as Kelly Cofield, who um, would be the two kind of token white people on the show. And the show was designed to be SNL with a higher production value and executed better. And what do I mean by executed better? Meaning they would shoot it live. Like this is performed live in front of an audience and adjusted like it's SNL. However, they had tape and they could fine tune things later. They could add the special effects. They can make things as neat and clean as they can. And it was only a half hour. So um, it was a it sitcom version of SNL. Yes. Yes. They had sitcom abilities, but you know, but the Fox had that original pilot, which had a lot of things from the pilot that would have inevitably air. You would have Men on Cinema. And now Public Access presents Men on Films. Hello, I'm Blaine Edwards, and I'm Antoine Merriweather, and welcome to Men on Films. We're going to be reviewing the latest film from a male point of view. And um, what is it? Homeboy Shopping Network. Oh, yeah, Homeboy Shopping two, Network. Yeah. And those two were like <laughs> the big <laughs> ones that the network were really worried about. Yo, 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 all you bad bargain hunters out there, welcome to the Homeboy Shopping Network. Yo, we're the host with the most. I'm Wiz, this the Iceman. Chillin'. Yo, show them what we got. Oh, and Wrath of Frackacon, I believe that's it's in, called. That's in the second one. Second Wrath no, of- but I was yeah. in. That was still in the original pilot. Oh, okay. It was, it's was called Wrath the... of Farrakhan. 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 Uh, 
Wrath of Farrakhan, and those three things were big sticking points with the network that made them drag their feet into airing this. Every one of the cast members had a contract for a show, but they weren't picked up yet, and they dragged their feet to even air the pilot. So what did the Waynes brothers do? They started just sending the pilot out to people. Um, to And folks like David Allen Greer, who knew nothing about this, was getting recognized for this pilot that has never officially aired just because they started sending it out and getting good praise. Once reviews started coming in for this pilot that never officially aired, Fox agreed to greenlight this, cut it down to a half hour, um, cut out a few things, and but they really wanted those three those three skits cut out. Um, and King Ivan Rain said, "No, um, if you're gonna let me have creative control, let me have creative control." And they said, "Fine, but if this has blowback, it lands on you." And therefore, they picked it up for I believe nine episodes. And once it aired and started doing good numbers, it got picked up for another five. And yeah, it was an immediate hit. Uh, I believe it was Damon Waynes who told his brother um, all crime stopped in New York because they were all too busy watching their show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's a a very interesting kind of section of time, the, the mid to early 90s where something like this exists and it is so interesting, so, I I won't say even transgressive, but so specific. Um, What I discovered when I was watching, and I don't know if you felt it, it felt like black culture reacting to the the dominant white culture for the past, especially white television, of the past hundred years. So you had things like I Love Lucy and Wrath of Khan and all these things, but getting the reaction that we've never had of it before. So these spoofs feel brand new with a new impression on it that I had never seen. I don't think anyone else had ever seen. As well, every skit, like the short skits are like a minute. At longest, they are four minutes. And they fly by and you you, you can't get bored with one of them. <laughs> I think it is structured brilliantly. <laughs> Laquita, I'm home! Hey, sweetheart! Here's my sugar! That's my baby. I'm right in the middle of stuff, painting my nails. Nails? What about dinner? I got some pig feet steaming on the stove. Pig's feet? Ay, ay, ay! My mother told me never to marry a crazy redhead from Compton. Well, you did. Well, the set, I, I wanted to comment too on the set. I didn't realize that it was, I guess, yeah, when you have the ability to like do post and editing and whatnot, the, the production value of the set, when they did, um, I mean, even in the very, the very, very first episode, what was it? Uh, uh, the Jefferson spoof, when they like rebuilt yes. the entire set. Yes. I was like, SNL wouldn't do that and they have production value I mean like this this brought in some some production value in live sketch comedy that I had never seen before still haven't seen mm-hmm. and the way they would work they would every episode took about two weeks and in that second week they'd also be working on the next episode so at one time you were working at two on two episodes at once and they would write and figure out that first episode in week one, then they would shoot it in week two while also writing the next weeks. I mean, that's kind of, 
that makes sense. That makes sense. And it sounds, I don't know to me, but it sounds like exhausting. I know SNL is a is a marathon to get done every week, and I am amazed anyone does it. But this also feels equally difficult because I don't know if you have this feeling, but if I'm given the chance to polish things, I will polish to the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you don't want too much time because you can't you fall in love with things too fast and much like SNL there was a lot of good work being taken away just because it just wasn't going to fit into the runtime or it was too long or it was too XYZ well did they and, because they weren't streaming it live it wasn't live to broadcast it was like no it was not so it, and it, you're saying it wasn't even live to tape it, it was it was live to tape and then they would probably trim and polish things every now and then but they really the specific thing they wanted was that live audience, which I think this is like one of the best like audiences ever. They are very like reactive. It makes sketches better and it allows for in the moment improvs, which I see David Allen Greer do a lot, a lot. And he's so good at it. I, I don't know if anyone else agrees with this, but I think David Allen Greer was kind of the MVP of this entire season. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, totally. I, I came out of this in knowing who they all were. Mm hmm. And for good reason too. So, you know, like, and there's things that, that I still to this day remember fondly as watching this as a kid, uh, you know, I was watching Fire Marshal Bill and, and Homie the Clown and all sorts of things. It did a lot to educate as a white guy with a white family in a white community. It was really, it was really interesting to see this sketch, th these sketches come to life because it was part of life that I had never experienced. Some, some of the stuff that they had talked about. See that that's a little a little different. I grew up in Detroit, and everyone would talk about it in Loving Color and reenact those sketches at school every day. Like I remember going to talent shows where they just reenact a Homie the Clown sketch. Like these were well known sketches, and everyone kind of talked about them. Sit down. <laughs> All right, kids. I'm Homie the Clown. Y'all ready to have some fun? Yeah. yeah! All right. What y'all want me to do first? Oh, 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 oh. What? Now do a silly cloud dance for us. Oh. Yeah! yeah degrade myself, huh? I don't think so. Homie, don't play that. And amazingly, a lot of the, uh, everyone in this show kind of became someone aside from some notable absentees. But the show was a pretty controversial thing in its time. Um, even like there was not the most positive reaction from, from the LGBT community to men on films at the time, which understandable in, in a similar way to the boondocks, like worried about falling into stereotypes and portraying stereotypes as opposed to basically mocking them the same way anyone else would. But they also did a very famous episode where they were forced to go. The entire cast was made to go on Donahue. <laughs> I don't know if either of you remember what Donahue was. Yes. I remember no. watching Donahue. No. Um, Alan, explain it. It was more your time than it's, mine. It was it like predated Jerry Springer. Um, it, it was one of those things where it was sort of, um, trashy, <laughs> we will say it, it was not the highest quality citizen who would come in and it, you know, it was a lot of like paternity tests and, and domestic disputes that were aired, the grievances aired and resolved live on air, um, in, in the form of trying to be a serious daytime talk show. Get him crazy and Keenan, uh, 
Uh, are you all right with the censorship? Is there a censorship department at Fox? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I think we're allowed to say Yeah, right, we can't talk oh, about it. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, um, uh, the show, I mean, the, the whole intent of the show was sort of to stretch the boundaries of what has normally been seen on TV. So it's a constant sort of battle with the, with the censors, but it's a, it's a good work environment. And I mean, I understand that they have a job to do and they understand I have a show to do. So we try to find some middle ground and go from there. Mm -hmm. And it's trash. It's trash. It is Jerry Springer. <laughs> it's not quality content for television. Um, I want to say, as someone that has revisited the first season of SNL within recent years, this has a better starting point than most variety shows ever have. Like, things that would become iconic are started in their first year here. <laughs> like, Homie the Clown and all that. It is right here. It is fully formed in this in this version of In Living Color. Um, and have you ever watched the first season of SNL, either of you? No. I've seen it clips. Uh, that my dad remembers fondly because he's old. It is so. deeply unstructured and unpleasant. It's like the Muppets were cast members on SNL, which is why it's a baffling to me that they've never uh, hosted. Wait, actual Muppets? Literally, they will say, and the Muppets. Okay. Where, where Jim Henson would do like a little puppeteer thing. every like, And James L. Brooks would work on little films. It, like it is an interesting time where it is a true variety show where just weird things will happen. Well, um, it is Lauren not mostly right comedy based. Well, well, they're all on coke. They doing. So, you know, oh, yeah. that's what happens when you're all on coke and you, you make a variety show. On coke? That's, that is something. See this, this critter right here. That's, that's where he lives. Now you get down there. See, you're, you're small enough. Go, go, push. Go down there. Go down there. Yeah, I'm out here. What's that? What do you see? I'm trying to see what I can find. Oh, what's this hanging over his bed? What's that? It's a picture of Lily Tomlin. Cookie Monster gets the munchies. And Larry David chokes him. Wrong Muppet. That being said, that first season still had some highlights, and that first season is the only one that Chevy Chase was on. He left after season one. So that chaotic, weird, not really funny season is the only one Chevy Chase was connected to. That makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about the Jim Carrey of it all. Um, he's not in a ton of it. And he often is the straight man in a sketch, which is neat and shows his versatility. Um, versatility. I think that he is putting on a different face than he was ever allowed to. Um, he's do, but he's allowed to do more than he ever was in, say, the Duck Factory. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time he can turn on, turn on the rubber body, turn on the rubber face, turn on the rubber everything, really, and it yeah. and it works in a lot of. Uh, well, I guess I am impressed in that it's not just the same um, rubbery in, inflections in every character. He no. he makes distinct, extreme choices per character and never breaks them. They all have their specific mannerisms. Hello and welcome to America's funniest security camera videos. <laughs> I'm Bob Saget. I'd like to say hello to my daughter. She's at home right now throwing up with the flu. <laughs> I hope they're taping it. <laughs> Holy kidding. I already have that on tape. <laughs> anyway, 
As you know, we get videos from security cameras installed all across the country. Tonight, we're going to be taking a look at a video sent to us by Ali Bahad Kamkar. Ali works at a Lucky 11 convenience store. And boy, am I surprised. <laughs> But are they good impressions? <laughs> like, that's the thing I was struggling with. I'm like, they're definitely a character, but is he good at doing the impression of this person? For comedic effect in terms, like, he's not going after the Academy Award to play this person like an Andy Kaufman, like Man on the Moon. He's trying to be an exaggerated version of it. So there, there's yes. a distinct difference. But let's just say his Bob Saget in America's Funniest uh, Home Security Yeah, videos. I was trying to figure out what celebrity he played in that because I knew it wasn't the host of that show. Um, well, no, you're thinking of um, when he was the host of The Tonight Show. Oh, yeah. And he was yeah. playing his co-star from Copper Mountain, Alan Thicke. Yeah, he played Alan Thicke because he, he, the impression of Johnny Carson was too, like, or whoever else was, like, not funny he, anymore. Yeah, everyone did Johnny Carson. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm Alan Thicke. Sitting in for Johnny Carson. Because everyone knows at this point another Carson impression would be totally passe. Ed won't be here tonight either. He woke up with the head of a Clydesdale in his bed. I guess when you're in between marriages, you'll bring home anything. <laughs> All right. I really thought he did a terrible Bob Saget. I didn't know what the imp- I've seen clips of Bob Saget um, at the time, and that was not... <laughs> A particularly impressive one. No, no. He does a decent Ted Turner to his credit. His Ted Turner is great. He is a very um, good Ted Turner. I think that skit, his t- Ted Turner is very colorized classic, so, The Red Fox is the Kid, is probably w- top five sketches of the season. Hello again. This is film vault king Ted Turner doing whatever I please with more classic films. <laughs> This is the original print of the Grapes of Wrath. Gonna put it in those little Viewmasters and try to market them with pictures of the California raisins on them. Now, I understand a lot of you people have an innate respect for the artist's original vision. But I have something you don't have. A receipt of purchase! (laughs) His his Captain Kirk was pretty good. I mean, comedically. Yeah, that one is good, too. Yeah. Very funny. It's obviously not completely what William Shatter no. sounds like, but it's the comic version of what he should sound like. Captain's Log, Stardate 14. We're being pulled towards a hostile planet. I'm hoping that Scotty will be able to activate the backup control system. God, I feel so vulnerable. Truly, I think his great, his properly great impression, because it is technically two impressions, is his Jerry Lewis. His Jerry Lewis was next level incredible um, in the Jerry's Kid skit. Oh, yeah, the Jerry's he, Kids, yeah. He Apparently, people that have Jerry curls are miserable, and it's a disease to them. Great bit, great but his impression, he's doing like suave, like Buddy Love, Jerry Lewis, who's like, well, tell us about this. And he's like, ah, and then we're going to sing. It's two very distinct, very difficult. I, I Really, it is hard to do a Jerry Lewis, and he nails both of them. Oh, yeah. Totally agree. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is love. And love is this. If you're just joining us. It's the 21st hour of the Jerry Kids Telethon. We're here to fight a deadly affliction. 
One that is suffered by millions of inner city youths across this great nation of ours. This is Rodney Washington from Compton, California. And this is the dreaded activator that he craves so very desperately. The Jerry Curl one was was great. I mean, I just think he he plays all of the characters very sweetly. He's not mean mm-hmm. in any of them. And they're all innocent buffoons. So I don't know. There's something endearing about how he plays all of these that that really um like he's he's not trying to and maybe this is part of the direction, he's in no way overshadowing or taking away any of the focus from um, the the poignancy of what like the racial poignancy that the sketches are the trying commentary. yeah the commentary that is trying to get across and I I absolutely respect him for all of that for not trying to steal focus he was funny but he's not stealing the focus of the of yeah the the message a perfect example of that is in the a date with Grace where oh, love um, that one David Allen Greer is on a date with Grace Jones and I forget the woman that played Grace Jones incredible impression hilarious interpretation and he's playing a very broad French waiter, but he knows that it is funnier if he plays it straight. But he is so hilarious at getting the snot kicked out of him by Grace Jones. May I get you something to drink while you wait? Uh, yeah, I'd like to win wine. Could you give me a Chablis? Blind date, monsieur? <laughs> yeah, how'd you know? When you're French, you can just tell. You must be Harvey. I'm Grace Jones. Hi, Harvey Bennett. Do you think I'm sexy? Uh, I said, do you find me sexy? Yes, uh, extremely. May I get you something, monsieur? I mean, madame. I'm in the mood for seafood. Like, that is a perfect interpretation of just what you're saying, Alan. Yeah. Um, how he is not stealing the scene, he's holding his own, but if you take him out of it, it is significantly less funny. Yeah. Well, it's the same Same with, uh, you know, Wrath of Farrakhan. Again, like, Farrakhan comes in, and he's like, here are yes. all the things that white people have done, and how dare you, white captain, treat all of your, your crew, people of color, this way? And Captain Kirk's like, you know, you're right. All right, next person, let me ask you to do your job. And then that person's like, well, no, I'm not going to do my job anymore because you're, you know, it just rolls on. And so he doesn't fight it. He agrees with every single statement because it's true. Mm-hmm. And then and then just moves on and runs away in, in Jim Carrey fashion. You know, again, it's one of those things where I look at it and I'm like, that was, I don't know if it's the writing or if he was directed to do that. But in every scene like that, he's just, he's just playing the buffoonery so sincerely. Um, all right, let's, we got to talk about the most, I would say the one that kind of became his most popular, the one that probably has aged the worst, but is the one that they always use to promote the first season. Um, and that is, I got to find it Vera again. Vera DeMilo. Body bodybuilder. Ugh. Um, so Liz, sum up this sketch. Okay. So this is a, is a bodybuilding competition and the first two women come out and they're not very muscular and that's the joke. And then Jim Carrey comes out wearing a non-existent bikini, pigtails from his own natural hair and something else. And I can't remember. And is the strongest woman of all, of all the women. And I don't remember, I kind of blanked out the back half cause I got mad, but yeah, he basically is just mad at. Vera DeMilo, the bodybuilder, who is a woman, uh, is like just screams at the audience for like 
three minutes, I'm pretty sure. Uh, about how she's so strong and sexy. Pretty sure. I will say, there's only one thing that made me chuckle in this sketch, because I don't find it particularly funny. Not. There's, um, and that is when Jim Carrey sticks his stomach in and out. And I, I believe the announcer, who I be, I'm i pretty sure it was David Allen Greer, is like, this is a tribute to women giving birth. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. That was the one thing that gave me a chuckle. Of course, she's the only woman on the circuit who goes to the bathroom standing up. Reports are that you have used steroids. Uh, do you care to comment on that, little lady? Yes, I would, Roger. I don't know who's starting those rumors, but I do know that there are a lot of jealous people out there who aren't willing to do the work it takes to look like this. Let's face it, women see me, they want to be me. Well said, well said. Could you just tell me one more thing then, Vera? Sure. I gotta ask you this. Uh, what is that bulge in front of your trousers? Well, now, a girl's gotta have her little secrets. My brother and I still do that to this day, that move. <laughs> That's the cool hand Maluk move, yeah. isn't it? To fit more eggs in your stomach. <laughs> what? It, is, I'm, I just pulled up the, the, uh, the Vera DeMilo bodybuilder sketch and he's is he wearing yeah. like stuff in his dentures does he have fake dentures maybe i or don't is he, know or is I, I, he, he i know he might be wearing stuff down his pants if you know what i mean no explain it's it to also, me. also, also, also. explain it what do you what do you mean get it um he might have packed his penis to he might have bigger. padded his oh, uh packing the penis yeah he's we- oh he's wearing a leopard print speedo yeah yeah. My favorite part is this isn't even the last time we'll see this. They, he pops up as Vera Tamilo many more times. So we'll have a conversation again. I hope I'm so. sure it'll only get funnier every time he does it. That is the first running character we see of his. Like, I don't think any of the other ones are going to pop back up. Maybe William Shatner. Like, none of his iconic, like, Fire Marshal Bill does not appear in season one. No, no, no. That's halfway through season two. Oh, we skipped over in the very first sketch of the very first episode, the pilot. Love connection. Jewish woman dates a black man. We hear, it was a, as a throwaway line, Jim Carrey's first all righty then. Yes. Um, yes. I will say, first one on camera, um, in his stand-up sp- Currently, the way he introduces himself is like, hi, I'm Jim Carrey. How are you doing tonight? Alrighty then, not giving them a chance to respond. That is where that first started. Um, this is the first time ever saying it on camera, though. And as far as we're concerned. Yes. Sorry. Lost my train of thought. No worries. Um, it's okay. It's okay. I've done it before, too. Um, in that lo- that love connection bit, don't think I found that one particularly funny. Um, the only thing to bring up there is that he does say alrighty then, and... I forget who was playing Mike Tyson, but they did a great impression. That was a fantastic impression. Was it Damon Wayans? No, I, I don't think so. I don't. It might have been Damon. But yeah, I love the audience's reaction to that impersonation of Mike Tyson because, like, it, I think at that point you didn't make fun of Mike Tyson. Yeah, you would. Yeah. lose an ear. He would. You would lose a body part if you made <laughs> yeah. fun of Mike Tyson. Or get your nose smashed. How you doing, Chuck? Hi there, Mike. How are you? Well, I gotta say, I'm really ecstatic to be here. 
righty then. Robin, tell us how the date started. Let's talk a little bit about my two favorite sketches, and probably we should do a little ranking of our favorite Jim Carrey moments in this, but I think Bad Karate Class is a top, top one. I remember <laughs> that one so much when I was a kid where he's just bleeding all over because they actually stab him. <laughs> you made the common mistake that most newbies do, and you attacked me the wrong way. <laughs> You're supposed to do it up here. and then here. You, you bend your elbow. You have to keep your arms straight. <laughs> 10 out of 10 great interpretation i you know what makes that scene you something that you don't think about when you think back at it but it is the most important factor of that is the mustache he has on oh yeah he is wearing a mustache it is one of the funniest pieces of set dressing to that character welcome to the first meeting of complete self-defense for women i'm bob jackson i have a black belt in karate I've studied martial arts for over 20 years. Oh, oh my God, I'm really sorry. Oh, I, 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 I didn't mean it. I, are you all right? I'm fine. I shifted my internal organs to avoid the knife. However, like a lot of beginning students, you attacked me wrong. Oh. You're supposed to come at me like this. Right. Remember that and try it again. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then, um, that one I think is probably my number one. Um, and then my number two is probably the Exxon family because it's just him doing his Buster Keaton-esque like, body movements for like 10 minutes and you don't even realize is. Uh, realize really what what's going on there until the the punchline doesn't come until the very end. Oh, they made you out to look like such a klutz, such a moron. The media really took advantage of you. After all, it wasn't your fault that your tanker hit that reef and leaked all that oil. Just because you're the captain doesn't mean you should be responsible for every little thing that happens to your ship. And when the tanker did start leaking, well, the company did just what they were supposed to do. They laid down a containment boom. Got it! Coming this fall, it's the Exxon family. Nobody's perfect. And that sketch was a replacement, too, for the DVD release. I mean, yeah. Now, what would it replace? Was it a, oh, Billy D. It, Williams catch? It replaced Bolt 45 Malt Liquor, That's which was only in the original Fox broadcast, but is available on YouTube. Why did they replace it? Do you know? Uh, Wikipedia didn't really explain because it. Because it's making it... light of date rape. Oh, it is? I didn't watch it. So. Yeah. Um, oh. So the Colt 45 sketch was seen only once during the original broadcast. It was omitted re from repeats because if some felt it was making light of date rape. Um, ah. The skit was cut by Fox Centers, and the necessary modifications were made to the master tape, but Keaton accidentally mixed up the masters, and the original master was broadcast. So it was always supposed to be cut out, and then Keenan sent it to air anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this is... Uh, as far as goofy goofs go, a replacement, I'd rather have this one than Billy D. Williams, uh, you know, date raping uh, an unconscious woman going full Cosby. Yeah. Yeah, this is a running thing, by the way. A lot of sketches get cut and replaced or things get changed and censored after broadcast. I mean, this both... will continue. You know, when I'm spending a relaxing evening at home with my very special lady, 
I like to treat it to the very best. I wear the finest clothes, serve the finest gourmet foods, and we enjoy the sparkling taste of both 45 malt liquor. <laughs> my lovely now. Yeah, King Ivory Waynes wanted to push boundaries, and with that, you're gonna hit the boundary yeah. My favorite note is it from season three, but I'll save that for when we cover season three. Oh yeah, we, so. we got, it will come faster than you think. Um, I'm glad they replaced it, because I think the Exxon family is a funny bit. I think oh yeah, it's, it's really funny, funny. I enjoyed it. Like, good Christian humor. Who cues Not in my Christian Minecraft tapes. server. Like, when, they, when you get a tape from your delivery person and you're like all right here's my master for broadcast doesn't somebody watch it first to make sure you that would think is what it's supposed yeah. to I, is I be? actually have a really depressing story that's similar to that and it is i and had a film that played in a relatively big festival um called after ashes love that film i think i did a really good job with it i submitted it and it got accepted with the final version but accidentally submitted a rough cut with imbalanced audio so you couldn't hear one character's uh voice throughout the entire thing and oh, that's no. the one they played in the the screening oh no oh no this so a nightmare. you didn't win i i mean i didn't but everyone in the fucking theater like all the people running it are just coming up to me and like crying like i'm so sorry and i'm like i am too oh, oh it's so sad truly well, one of the most horrendous experiences so it does happen well i'm sure then david wayans was like all right cool Maybe they maybe he gave the wrong master on purpose. I think it was Keenan Ivory Wayne's, but he yeah. probably did. He, he, he might probably. have, yeah. I will say when I it said accidentally, that accidentally was in quotation marks. So take that for whatever it is. Oh well. All right. All right. What, is there any other sketches with um, Mr. Jim Carrey that you thought were really great that we have not mentioned yet? Hmm. <laughs> That's a good question. He's not in a ton of this. Um, truly, no. I think the the thing that I was impressed most in this rewatch, I love the Fly Girls. I swear, I, that was the part where I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, I'm gonna watch this for a bit." I think most variety shows just needs like break dancing in between. All right, guys, how about we move on to our critic corner, um, where we compare our opinions to those of the critics when this first came out. The first review comes from THR's 1990 review. Um, they say, Like all good satire, in living color will upset some, if not many. When it pokes, it pokes hard, aiming right for the funny bone by way of the heart. Ironically, black viewers may be the most offended by Wayne's humor. So precise is its accuracy. It is a chance Wayne's is obviously willing to take to bring laughter to a new generation of variety viewers. Yet by its very hip foundation and living color may be limiting its audience. His street-smart humor could easily be lost on the massive older generation of viewers, to whom the Golden Girls is legend. But it certainly fits perfectly into FBC's projected demographics. Teen and young adults will love it. It will, and so will progressive moms and dads. Why do you have to be progressive to like this show? This the show doesn't feel particularly progressive, aside from you know the diverse cast. All I know is this article doesn't have an author. Its author is THR Staff. So. Fair enough. Um, oh, Mister Staff. I, I Mister THR. Not a, not a Trump fan. <laughs> his first name is THR. His last name is Staff. Mister Staff had these thoughts. Yeah. Um, I think that's a fair assessment, but also it's 1990. Whatever. Um, 
how about we move on to our our kind of letterbox game where Liz picked out real letterboxed reviews and we me and Alan have to guess whether they're one star or five star based on just the review alone. Here we go. How about that? Well, this is your first episode. Um, normally this would be a letterbox game, but In Loving Color is not on letterboxed in any manner, so I went to the only place I could. The season one DVD reviews. (laughs) The Amazon ones? The Amazon reviews are the season one DVD collection. I am so excited right now. They are unhinged in areas that I didn't expect. I I remember getting the season one DVD in like 2004 or five. So these could be old and really, really insane. So I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this will continue for the remainder scenes of In Living Color, most likely. So. so get your reviews in now, kids. So Aunt, review the DVD collections on Amazon if you want me to include it in the episode. I like the idea. There's no way they can physically do this because of how early we record these. By the time this episode comes out, we will have recorded all the other ones. Yeah, probably. All right, uh, who's going to go first? Alan, his name starts with an A. Okay, oh, Jess, okay. you're going to go first because you said it. Because every God time you say damn it, it, you go first. Ah! So that, all right, let's go. You need to learn your lesson. I have to agree with the other reviewers have a- have asked. What took took so effing long? I remember that. I remember that watching this show was almost like a religious event. It is like church. Um, five. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, that's a gimme. I have to Easy think about one. it. It's the sad part. Like that was not me playing to think about. It. I was like, what did that review say? It was like a code I had to decrypt in my head. Oh God. All right. Are you ready, Alan? Yeah. Not spending upwards of 40 to $50 for a few laughs. Not happening here. Three shrug emojis, three side eye emojis, two face palm emojis. If the emojis exist, this has to be a relatively recent review. Mm, then I guess it, it doesn't sound like they're happy with the cost of season one. I'm going to go with a one star. As a five. Shut up. No, no, no. I'm just reading what's on Amazon, man. I'm losing my touch. All right. Are you ready, Jess? Jess, I am. Yes. It met my expectations. (laughs) That is a one. That is a five. I would have given it a five. I would have given it a five. All right, Alan, just to make up for you not getting the first one, I'll read you my favorite. Okay. This is a very long one, and it's probably a giveaway, but I enjoyed it so much I had to include it. Okay, I'm ready, and now the pressure's on. I'm gonna screw it up. I'm gonna screw it up. Here we go. This item saved my butt. I borrowed a copy from from a friend, and somehow it came up missing. I was so glad I was able to buy it from Amazon so I could replace his copy. He never knew I I replaced the old one. Thanks, Amazon. I pulled it off. (laughs) Thumbs up. Five star. Thanks, Amazon. Yeah. And this is on the public internet, by the way, so if that friend saw this review, they know That's what where my loving color DVD went. Man, this doesn't smell like my DVD. What's wrong yeah, don't, with this don't, one? Don't, don't mention you lost items you need to buy for your friend on Amazon, because they might see them. I mean, so, it wasn't signed, it. was it? Who cares? Yeah, well, I don't know. I know, I know. I forgot to delete the dates on these, so. All right, are you ready, Jess? I'm ready. Where Jim Carrey was better known as the white guy and J-Lo was nothing more than a backup dancer. This is from season one. Um, um, I don't know why they include J-Lo. <laughs> J-Lo is not there yet. J-Lo shows up in season three. She ain't no hollaback girl. Um, That is a five. That is correct. All right, are you ready, Alan? Alan, I am. 
In junior high, I remember screaming with laughter over this series. Now I just mm. cry with sadness. Now I just cry with Yeah, that's the implication. So that's why it's it doesn't seem obvious. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I'm gonna say five. I'm going five. That's a one. Yeah, I know. Alan, I you failed. I knew it. I, I knew it. I was like, that's the implication. I didn't trust it. I didn't trust it. Jim Carrey's the only funny one. That's not true. I don't agree with this at all. That is a fundamentally no. untrue one. That's a one star, though. That is correct. Fundamentally right. disagree with that. Everyone, honestly, Jim Carrey is equally like this is a great group of people, and it gets greater as time goes on, and oh, then yeah. it gets shitty again. It's incredible cast season one. It's, okay, we know the Waynes eventually leave, and we'll talk about that when that happens. Yeah. It is remarkable that Jim Carrey stayed as long as he did. Alan, are you ready? Yes. See stars before they were stars. I see stars. I'm so gonna go many with stars five again. I'm going five. I'm going That's five. That's correct. Yes. Okay, there's one left because odd numbers, so... Math, but uh, I won math. anyways. And you guys happen to be tied. What? Yeah. That's not how math works. Oh, uh, wait, let me see. What's, what I mess up? No, you guys got two wrong each, and there's eight well, that I've done. Well, all right. So. All right. Alan, so, do you guys do a buzzer on the, beater? I think we need on to, the, on the I negative. Need, she didn't see how many we have right. She has focused on how many we have wrong. Appreciate it. All right, Liz, why don't we do a buzzer one? <laughs> okay, ready? Ready. Wait, wait, wait. We're both going to do it at the same time? Yeah, yeah you have to buzz in to answer. Tiebreaker. Okay. It's the tiebreaker question. Okay. Man, I buzz missed five. this show. Buzz I one. How controversial it was. Buzz five. Buzz, buzz five. one. Buzz, buzz one. Five. Buzz five. Uh, Alan got that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know. Okay, now actually read it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't even the game. Man, I missed this show. I forgot how controversial it it was. Yeah, okay, that's five. That's five. Sure, that's Jan. Five. Sure, Jan. All right, Alan, you, get a, you squeak out a win today. Yep, I got a squeaker. What is our overall thoughts on the first season of In Living Color? And are we giving it an all righty then or a no spanky? I feel like we're all kind of in agreement here. This is an all righty yeah, then. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is yeah, better, there's no better really than dispute porn. Here. It's just solid. Definitely <laughs> better, better than porn. All righty then. Put that on the DVD case. Better than better porn. Better than Alan porn. Seals. <laughs> <laughs> I remember really laughing about this in high school. Better than porn. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this with my best friends in high school. And then porn. <laughs> Five stars, baby. I think that this is a really good first start for a, a sitcom. I think it's a change of pace for us. Like, it, if it was much easier to watch this than it was to watch Mike Hammer, for for example. Oh God. Um. Yeah. Well, it was easier to watch this because they're short. They're sketches, right? Yeah. And like the very... nice thing about it is that if you don't like what the sketch you're watching is fast forward to the next one and you don't have to relearn a whole new set of uh or you don't have to uh, re think you forgot anything in the story and the energy is high and people are interested in being involved that's a big yeah. thing everyone wants to be there and wants to do a good job and they're hungry to impress yeah and there's one episode i forget what the episode is but it ends with jim carrey like holding his daughter yeah and oh it really like, dances around her and it like little made jane. my heart it be a little jane carrey it made my heart melt a little here's the question and here's an actual question um Keep this in or cut it out, but it is something that I thought about. His daughter, Jane, would go on to audition for American Idol. And in that episode of American Idol, she calls her dad. Do we include that episode in our list? No, no, no. We already included that Conan documentary. We're not including that. He is physically on camera in that Conan I documentary. I feel like if he's on camera, that's a different story, but... No, I'm not watching an episode of American Idol for a podcast where we barely have anything to say. 
I feel like maybe we should just do like uh oh Alan Alan's thinking differently. I think we need to see it. Let's let the fans decide. You yes. want us to cover it? Yes. Let us know. Let the fan decide. Do you want us to do this? Um, all right. Next week we are not talking about in living color. We are talking about someone that I think I'm gonna have a lot to say about and will reappear. Um does anyone does the name I believe Steve Odenkirk mean anything to you? Yeah. Odenkirk. I'm I'm thinking of Bob Odenkirk. You're thinking Steve of Odenkirk. Steve Odenkirk. Do you remember um the Thumb Wars VHSs from the early 2000s? Yes. Do you remember? Ha, my name's Paul from the end of Jimmy Neutron. No, Jimmy Neutron was uh, after my time. That is one of those things that he... Do you remember Kung Pao? That, um... <gasps> That's Steve Odenkirk? Yes. Um, Chosen one! Did I get his name right? Odenkirk. Odenkirk, not Odenkirk. Yeah, Odenkirk. Odenkirk. Oh, Odenkirk. Steve Odenkirk. Oh, yes. man. Yes. And we will he... revisit this in the sequel, which never happened. Uh, well, it's coming. <gasps> Shut up. He Kung Poo Kung Poo. <laughs> Kung Pao 2 Tongue of Fury. He has a huge impact on Jim Carrey's career throughout his career, but his first outing with him is a little short film he made, and we're gonna talk about that next week. Um hopefully we'll have a fun guest or something. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, so get ready, get set, and we'll have some fun. But yeah, we'll be acting in living color after that. Speaking of Eugene's, thank you guys for listening. One of you has to be named Eugene. Follow us on iTunes and Spotify, Carried Away with Jess and Allen. On Twitter at Carried Away Pod, Instagram Carried Away Pod. Email us at carriedawaypodcast at gmail.com to tell us how wrong we are about In Living Color and how it's really just hashtag problematic. Our title card is created by Grace Aki. Go follow them on Instagram at Grace Aki. This show is produced and edited by Elizabeth Eston. Our theme song is I Choose You by the band Thanks. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform, even though I burnt down our headquarters in Las Vegas. Mm, it's, we already rebuilt it. It's cool. Well, it'll come down again. Don't worry. Anything else <laughs> we have left to say? Not a damn thing. Come back next week, kids. You can do what you want to do. I'm going to do my fly girl dance. In living color. Do some finger Ladies and gentlemen, Keenan Ivory Waynes has left the building. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.